Podcast for the 8th of January 2022. Happy Wednesday, hump day, halfway to the weekend. Oh, yeah. Everybody turns into Kool Aid Man. Oh, yeah. Can't wait until the weekend. I'm Derek Hunter. I'm your host. You can email me, Derek Allen Hunter, at gmail.com if you so desire. You can also join the club, join the community at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or at DerekHunter.locals.com where you can get the Week in F and Review and enter the contest to win autographed books. This week it's Dennis Leary versus Jim Garrity and Cam Edwards and Joe the Plumber. Dennis Leary's taken on three dudes. Three of them. So, yeah, I know all of them personally except Dennis Leary. So, <laughs> totally, uh, I don't know. I don't, we'll see who wins. It's the luck of the draw. It's only five bucks a month is all we ask for you for uh, extra shows and to support the program. Appreciate every last one of you who sign up there. And uh, I'm glad you like the Week in F and Review because it's fun for me to do. Anyway, let's, uh, let's get this show started. We do have a lot to get to. We have a whole bunch going on. And I want to start off with... This big January the 6th hearing in prime time, prime time on uh, on Thursday. And what's funny here is they really, these leftists, this is so desperate. It really is just reeks of desperation. The American people witnessed January the 6th. And well, I don't think there are very many people who thought, oh, yeah, that's great. Definitely. Let's do that again. It was not the near end of the republic the left has tried to portray it as. It certainly wasn't an insurrection. You watch, it's really amazing. You can tell how fraudulent the media is by which videos they choose to highlight, right? From January 6th, it is one side of the Capitol, the mall side on the house end, there are people breaking through barricades and fighting with police. There's no question about that. The rest of it is the Capitol grounds, people milling around. And on the Senate side, people being welcomed in by police, opening the doors. Now, would they have banged on? That's, I suppose, the $64,000 question that the left will try to argue is that those people would put their walkers down, their canes aside, and somehow overpower the police. And therefore, the police had no choice but to let this insurrectionist mob into the United States Capitol on the Senate side. And then, you know, answer their questions as to which way to go to find certain things and help them take photographs of themselves inside the United States Capitol. It was a horrible, horrible situation. And if you can tell, this isn't drip, dripping with sarcasm. But that's what the left would have you believe, is that grandma and grandpa were ready to kill Mike Pence. Kill Mike Pence. Why? Because he's Mike Pence and he has to die. Or something like that. <laughs> I love the way that these uh, things are framed. But when you see the promos for the, and it's weird because they are running promos uh, 
For the hearing on Thursday, the media are hyping this like it's a movie premiere, like there's going to be a red... I wouldn't be surprised if there's going to be a red carpet. Like here, Oh, here we come. Here comes uh, Jamie Raskin. Who are you wearing tonight, Jamie? Your hair looks particularly greasy. That's great. Family with you today? All right, they're sitting up in the gallery. It's going to be lovely. You're making them all very proud. Oh, and here comes... Here comes uh, Eric Swalwell. He's not a member of the committee, but you're just here to cheer on your... Any uh, any Chinese spies with you today? You, 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 sm- you smell a little bit like Chinese spy sex. Have you showered recently, Eric? No, not since not since Fang Fang. Uh, well, I guess you got to cling to whatever memories you have. Thanks for stopping by. That's... It wouldn't be... That's about the only thing missing from all of this crap is the red carpet arrival. They've hired a TV producer to come in and try to make the uncompelling compelling. James Goldston. He's a former producer for ABC News. He's a former president of ABC News. CNN has the story. The House Select Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol is working with a former ABC News television executive to help produce their upcoming hearings, according to a source familiar with the committee's plans. James Goldston's, the former president of ABC News, who also served as a producer for some of the network's most successful news programs like 2020, Nightline, and Good Morning America, is helping the committee with the planning of the hearing and their presentation. That's what's interesting. This is for show. This is for show. There will be nothing that um, that will be new here. Maybe some new footage, but they still have hours and hours and hours that they won't release to the public because a lot of it involves people peacefully walking around and taking photographs of themselves. But Annie Carney of the New York Times, she's congressional correspondent, she reports today, The committee is considering airing, this is about the setup for the hearing. The committee is considering airing clips of testimony from Ivanka and Jared Kushner. Now, if you're airing clips of testimony, you are, by very definition, selectively editing, cropping out what you think you want people to know and leaving the rest of it that you don't want people to know on the cutting room floor. Very few things are as dishonest, by the way. This is the leftist media speaking when they talk about James O'Keefe and Project Veritas. Now, the term, I know you've heard it, the phrase selectively edited. That's what they accuse Project Veritas of doing nonstop. Oh, my goodness. Yes, they did go to that Acorn office in Baltimore and openly talk unambiguously about importing foreign children as sex workers, but they only released 10 minutes of video. That could be taken out of context, to which you have to ask in what context would somebody explaining how best to game the system to be able to get child sex workers into the country would be, what, what context would that be good in, you know? <laughs> and uh, like they go through the whole thing and then at the end he goes, ah, I'm just kidding, don't do that. Then maybe, but that's not what happened. What Project Veritas did, unlike, by the way, what Project Veritas did 
in those acorn tapes and done with every one of their investigations is exactly what every news organization used to do when they did journalism. They don't seem to do journalism anymore. There aren't very many undercover exposés anymore. Have you noticed that? That it, all news is is talking to other employees of the news organization. That's it. It's pathetic. But they have all done it. They've all done the exact same thing. It's just different when it's one of their own being caught. And they all uniformly say, we can't report on what uh, Project Veritas did. It's just heavily, heavily edited. So, no, we can't do that. They could. They won't. There's a difference. But if this committee is considering airing clips from Ivanka and Jared, they testified for hours. They would not be giving their uh, full testimony. More importantly, they would not even be giving whatever clips they give uh, or do use, if they do use any, a full contextual placement. They would be nitpicking 30 seconds here that they think is best. That's where the producer comes in. If you've ever watched any of those... Friday, I call them Friday night murder mysteries. They don't actually, they're not murder mysteries in the sense that there's a drama, but it, uh, prime, I don't know if it's called primetime line, whatever. NBC has one, and then there's 20 minutes, or 2020, not 20 minutes, 2020. And it's, oh, they used to do serious news exposés on those shows. They don't do them anymore. Again, news has died. I don't remember the last time. I saw a serious, they were called news magazines because unlike the nightly news, which is only 22 minutes with commercials, you could really only get maybe four or five minutes for a, a serious news report. These things you had 44 minutes to dedicate to one particular topic and they would just go, they were all trying to be knockoffs of 60 minutes. And now they're just straight up murder in a small town what do you do and then and then there's there's the ex-boyfriend was he the one who did it or here's the jealous new boyfriend was he the one and what they do is manipulation it's not reporting it is straight up manipulation one of them is like an hour long and another one's a two hour long sometimes sometimes they do two murders but if it's a real juicy murder they'll drag it out for two hours and you can always count at the halfway point they are setting you up to hate somebody. Some one of the two one of the two obvious suspects. Yes. But where was the ex-boyfriend? And you're going, oh, that damned ex-boyfriend. I knew it was him. And then by the end it's not the ex-boyfriend, it's the new current boyfriend or whatever. But they find a way to manipulate you. Unbelievably. That's what they're bringing in for this this committee hearing. They have three, it's in prime time, starts at eight o'clock. Every broadcast network is carrying it because they're pathetic and on the side of Democrats. Really, honestly, the uh, ABC, CBS, NBC, they have decided to interrupt their normal broadcast day and forego all the ads that they have sold, pre-sold, for this because it's so damned important to Democrats. I, I've never seen anything like it, but they're doing it in prime time. They're trying, they're trying to compare it to uh, the Watergate hearings. Ooh, the Watergate hearings. They're trying, the Watergate hearings were during the day, okay? They didn't make a spectacle of it. The Watergate hearings were um, enough. You know, what happened in Watergate 
was enough. They didn't need to embellish it. But Democrats recognize that the American people simply don't give a damn. They don't care that a year and a half ago, a bunch of people stormed into the Capitol. It was not good. Anybody who fought with police should be prosecuted. And that go- But then when you watch the news and you see, but they didn't prosecute BLM Antifa rioters. They dropped all charges and they were actually trying to kill people. Um, you sit there and you lose interest. You lose interest completely, as you should, quite frankly. So this producer is going to try to make things interesting. And you want to know what's pathetic. They're having, like, Democrats are organizing ice cream parties across the country, watch parties and viewing parties. You imagine sitting around going, oh, we're gonna, here's, how can we get the American people to care about this? I've got an idea. Let's get everybody together in public and we'll make it a festive atmosphere. How can we convey the serious nature of what went on on that day and how it was a threat to the republic? What do you mean? How do we do that? I got an idea. Let's uh, let's get a bunch. Let's make it a party. Right. Let's make it a party. Let's have free ice cream for balloons for the kids. You know, yeah, well, nothing nothing conveys this is a serious threat to the Republic, like making a complete clown show out of it. Wash, or the uh, New York Times, Democrats have met with networks about carrying the hearings live in a prime time, in prime time, and, and they, they've won. Democrats met, they, Democrats lobbied the networks. They didn't have to lobby very hard, but that's just kind of glossed over in this New York Times story, actually about halfway down this exceedingly long New York Times story. And have scheduled more than 90 watch events in various states, including a flagship event at the Robert A. Taft Memorial and Carillion in Washington, where a large screen will be set up and attendees will get free ice cream. Very, you can tell. It's so threat to the Republican, isn't it? Quote, it's everything from a family gathering in the living room type event to hosting it in a union hall to hosting it in a big field with a jumbotron, said Lisa Gilbert, executive vice president of the progressive group Public Citizen. <laughs> In an attempt to keep the hearing from becoming too dry and disconnected from the visceral reality of the attack and the, the visceral reality of the, oh my goodness, I, I wake up in a cold sweat every day over it, don't you? In uh, a visceral reality of the attack, the committee is tentatively planning to play video of the Capitol attack and considering airing clips of key testimony from high-profile witnesses such as former White House advisors Ivanka Trunk, Trump and Jared Kushner, as it tries to deliver the equivalent of the Watergate hearings for the streaming era, the committee has brought on the former president of ABC News, James Goldston, a move reported earlier this week by Axios to help fit the hearings into six tight episodes running between 90 minutes and two and a half hours. You're being produced. You're being scammed. Democrats are proud of it. Democrats are bragging about it. They're bringing in somebody who can tell a story. 
Well, I thought this was about finding the truth. The truth doesn't need a narrator. The truth is just the truth. The truth simply needs a light, does it not? A light shone upon it, and there you go. There you have the truth. But to edit this down, to pr- how much of this will be scripted? How much of this will... Are we looking at Emmys? Are we looking for Emmys for drama? Is it comedy? Is it for uh, screenwriting? Which... Emmys will this qualify for? Will this guy get a production, a producing Emmy? Because if you don't think that they would love to give these people Emmys, you haven't been paying attention. They live for this crap. What we're about to witness is a show trial. We're, we're about to witness is a collaboration between the media and a political party that we haven't seen outside of totalitarian regimes, that we haven't seen outside of banana republics. And they're all doing it openly and proudly and saying, yeah, well, what are you going to do? This is what we're doing. We're doing it for your own good, you morons. Don't you understand how close we came to losing this republic when people demanded their voices be heard and had questions that we don't want you to ask? Yeah, it's about really sums it up, doesn't it? I will say it's interesting that members of Congress have this opportunity to highlight what they're doing to showcase what's going on to the American public. They have this ability to do it, too. But there's no primetime hearings on school safety, hardening schools, protecting children. There is no primetime hearing on gas prices, inflation, or anything like that. The cynic in you might believe that this is just for show, that this is just politics, that this is, put simply, what Democrats are desperately hoping will damage Donald Trump to the point that he doesn't run again. I'm agnostic on whether or not Donald Trump runs again. Mostly because I think we have a pretty damn good bench right now. You know, back in 2016, we didn't have a very good bench. We thought we did. But for the new way of doing things, you you sit there and you go, "Ted, I like Ted Cruz. I like Marco Rubio. I like Rand Paul. But none of them were going to fight the way that Donald Trump fought. None of them were going to campaign as hard as Donald Trump campaigned. They're never going to push back against Hillary Clinton in the media the way that Donald Trump did. I didn't necessarily see that at the time. I see it now. And you sit there and you go, he was the candidate. He was the candidate. He showed the way. Now you got Ron DeSantis, who does the exact same thing, who does it with a little bit more finesse, in my opinion, than Donald Trump does. And so you can get the same effect with a deeper policy knowledge and deeper concern in that. Now, who you vote for and who we get and who I I, I don't care. I'd be comfortable with either of them. I'd be comfortable with Christy Nome up there. I'd be comfortable with with Governor Abbott. Quite frankly, the way that Ted Cruz has sort of learned the lessons of 2016 and Marco Rubio has learned the lessons of 2016 and Rand Paul has learned, I'd be fine with all of them now. It's a different world. Plus, you'll be running against a, a senile, doddering old fool. 
So it'll be very interesting to see what happens. But Democrats are absolutely terrified of Donald Trump. That so much, look, they try to destroy all these people casually, but they really want to destroy Donald Trump first and foremost because they're mad at him on top of everything else. They not only do they not like what his policies were, they're mad at him for exposing them for what they are. They're mad at him. They, they did not, Donald Trump denied Democrats what they had desperately wanted. And they, you see it everywhere. Karine Jean-Pierre, oh, she's historic. She's black and lesbian. Uh, Kamala Harris, oh, she's historic. First vice president's a woman. And oh, she's also a woman of color. They wanted Hillary Clinton to be the first female president of the United States. They had sent out for, they, everything was at the engravers. Everything was prepaid. They couldn't get a refund on that. It was a foregone conclusion in 2016 that she was going to win, so much so that she didn't even bother to really campaign. She gave up. She didn't go, never went to Wisconsin. I've got, what is Wisconsin going to do? Vote for a Republican? Well, it turns out, yeah, they will. And so they did this to themselves, but they're mad at Donald Trump for doing it to them, so they say. So they hate him. It's not just about politics. It's not just about policy. It is about what he prevented them from being able to congratulate themselves over. And so they are not going to ever stop going against Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump I don't know if Donald Trump really wants to bother with all this crap and politics again, to be honest with you. He likes to fight. He likes to scrap. But the, the constant barrage and the threat of, you know, lawsuits and just ruining him and everything else, he's it's got to get old. It's got to be like enough already. Leave me the hell alone. I don't want to deal with this. I think Donald Trump would be much better off as a kingmaker, to be perfectly honest with you. I think that he could easily be a kingmaker in the Republican Party. And what satisfaction? Yes, you'd get the satisfaction of going out and beating Joe Biden again. That would be wildly satisfying. But what would be more satisfying, I would think is going out and orchestrating the wholesale destruction of the entire Democratic Party, <laughs> right? You sit there and this midterm, you got to put things aside. I, this is the one thing Donald Trump has to do. It's important that Brian Kemp win in Georgia. It's important that Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, win re-election in Georgia against Stacey Abrams. Donald Trump blames Brian Kemp for his loss of the state of Georgia. It's not his fault. It doesn't matter. Anyway, you have to get past that sort of stuff because the choice is Brian Kemp or Stacey Abrams. Period. End of story. If Donald Trump can put that aside, if Donald Trump can put the personal feelings and animosity that he has towards certain people for slights that he feels he's suffered. If he can put that aside, he can be a kingmaker. He can go out there and campaign. He can get Herschel Walker into the United States Senate. He can flip that seat. He can flip other seats in the United States Senate and give Republicans control of both the House and the Senate. 
That's revenge. That's revenge that winning an election will not get you. That is public humiliation of through investigation. Imagine, yes, you could win the presidency and the Justice Department in two years go, we want to investigate seriously this, that, and the other thing. Those are all private things. The public humiliation of seeing Hunter Biden testifying before Congress. The smartest man Joe Biden ever knew. Smartest man Joe Biden ever. That's his words, not mine. Up there having to answer for his crack pictures of the New York Post this week had a, I mean, they're, they're inappropriate to even talk about, to be honest with you. A bunch of nude photographs of him are out there now. Hunter Biden with a gun, his finger on the trigger, walking around with a prostitute and crack cocaine. An investigation by this next Congress into and demanding Justice Department officials come out and explain why it was that Hunter Biden, who lied on a federal firearms, federal firearms paperwork about his drug addiction, lied about it. Felony. You can face 10 years for that. Why was it that Hunter Biden was not prosecuted? Why was it that Hunter Biden wasn't prosecuted while Peter Navarro was put in leg irons at 72 years old? What's he going to do? Run away? Is he going to outrun FBI agents? How do you do that? You get that into the public square. You get that into a hearing. That would be the best revenge because you'd be damaging the Democrat Party. You'd expose the Democrat Party. And think of, you know, Donald Trump as kingmaker, boss Trump, compared to a guy who, quite frankly, Joe Biden is a terrible president. Joe Biden has been a complete disgrace as president. But if Donald Trump runs against Joe Biden again, there's still a chance he could lose. Whereas I don't think there's a chance that in hell, and you can say it's because Democrats cheat or whatever. It doesn't The scoreboard at the end of the day is what matters. Who's sitting in the Oval Office at the end of the day is what matters. If you have that situation again, I don't know that Trump wants to face that when you have all of this political capital. It's much better. What's better? They say living well is the best revenge. For my money, it is the destruction of your enemies. And the wholesale destruction of the enemies is the wholesale destruction of the Democrat Party. Not just Joe Biden. Joe Biden is is barely there. He really is the man who wasn't there. The president who wasn't there. Beating him, the what are you going to get? What's the spin on that going to be from the left? Of course he's going to beat him. Joe Biden is senile. The second Joe Biden is no longer useful to the Democratic establishment, he becomes what he is. He's a senile old man, of course. Donald Trump did that. But then they go right back to interview, or investigating every single aspect of Donald Trump's existence and hell-bent on putting his family in prison, his children, his grandchildren, his, everybody who isn't one of them in prison. Because remember, this isn't just Donald Trump that they're targeting. They, they're going after everybody named Trump. They're going after everybody who works for the Trump organization. 
I don't know that Donald Trump, I don't know that anybody would want to go and put their family through that again. So this little uh, feces show on January 6th on Thursday is going to be the first shot back. Oh, no, it's going to be a big shot back. I want to play, I've got a montage here of the media hyping this thing. This is, they're trying to make it into the social event of the season. You know, it's asinine to sit there and say, well, we're having a watch party for a congressional hearing and we're having free ice cream, bring the kids. And you're like, who, who would do that? And You know, the Venn diagram between the people who would attend an ice cream party or a watch party in general for this hearing on Thursday and the people who would take their four-year-old to a drag queen striptease and reading hour is a concentric circle. It is just one solid circle. That's just how it is. That the very same people, sick, sick people. Anyway, listen to this media montage and the hype and the buildup and all the, the drama they're trying to create about this hearing. The House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack is promising to show Americans never before seen evidence of the most violent assault on the Capitol in more than 200 years. It starts with a primetime hearing Thursday night about the effort by former President Trump's supporters to stop President Biden from succeeding him. The House Select January 6th Committee has conducted nearly a thousand interviews and collected nearly 140,000 records, but this week they're searching for something else, an audience for their work. An assault unlike any in American history has led to an investigation unlike any other. Now the findings will be presented in prime time. A big hurdle, capturing America's attention right now. Video presentations and witness testimony are expected at these hearings, all of which will be conducted in June. Prime time, the January 6th committee set to hold the first public hearing into the Capitol this week. A series of evening broadcasts planned to grab the nation's attention. Who will testify and what evidence has yet to be revealed? We turn to a major story to watch in Washington this week, nearly 18 months after the January 6th attack on the Capitol. The House committee investigating that assault is getting ready to take its case to the public, kicking off a series of televised hearings in prime time. These hearings will be the culmination of a year of work by the committee, more than a thousand witness interviews and the review of more than 125,000 documents. Now, the committee thinks they have a powerful story to tell about what caused January 6th, and they hope the country is still willing to listen. <laughs> Are you willing to listen? Are you ready? Does anybody really want to see? Was it Benny Thompson or whatever is the chairman? And anybody want to see Jamie Raskin's wet hair? Or anybody really missing uh, what uh, guys? Adam Schiff? Going, you know what I really enjoy seeing in high definition is Liz Cheney. I really like looking at a high definition, 1080p, 4K, 8K, whatever of Liz Cheney talking about how evil Donald Trump is. Wow, that's, you talk about, you wonder why the whole country's going to hell, the economy's going to hell. Look at the Democratic Party's focus. It's looking backwards. Maybe there was a, maybe there was a case to be made when, you know, former presidents would come in and say, we're not going to investigate our predecessors. We're looking forward, not backwards. Maybe not. I still think that many of these things need to be investigated further, but... This, uh, 
This thing is a damn joke. This is a disgrace. It's kind of funny because... And it's it's funny in an ironic way, not necessarily in a ha-ha way because it's thoroughly dangerous. The people who insist so desperately about threats, threats to our democracy, threats to our democracy, do absolutely everything humanly possible to put their political opponents in prison, to put their political, to otherize their political opponents, to threaten the lives of their political opponents, to do everything you can possibly imagine to be an actual threat to our democracy. It's, you know, we had to destroy the village in order to save it kind of crap. Dan Pfeiffer, who was an advisor to Barack Obama and um, a top one of the top advisors, he's written a couple of best-selling, at least one best-selling book. He's got a new one about how right-wing media is dominating everything, right-wing media is blah, 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 blah. And he was on Morning Joe yesterday talking about how these tech companies need to regulate speech. If they don't, the government is going to have to introduce legislation. Why? Because the top performing posts on places like Facebook every day are from right-wingers. And that's a threat to democracy. Now, a top performing post is it has to find an audience. Are some of these people BS artists? Yes, I know some of them. Used to know some of them. They're total BS artists, but so what? If a a democracy can handle idiots, for God's sakes, we have an idiot for president right now. But the idea that government has to come in and say, well, we need to shut this down. We need to counteract this. You need to make sure that this doesn't have the reach that it is. You don't destroy democracy to save it. It's not how it works. You outcompete it. Conservatives are happy to have a conversation with Democrats about policies, to have discussions, to have debates. Democrats are the ones who are unwilling and now even incapable of doing such things themselves. So to sit there and whine and go, oh, we need to to do something. You don't understand. We have to fight fascism. How do you want to fight fascism? Well, I want to round up every one of my political enemies and either kill them or put them in camps. I want to control the media. And if they will not be controlled, I will destroy them. And uh, wait, wait, what? You're describing fat. You're describing Hitler's rise to power. Yeah, no, no. It's totally different, though, because we're doing it against fascism. So what we're going to do is anybody in the media who disagrees with us, we're going to beat them physically, publicly. And some of them might have to die, but it's for the greater good. Don't worry. No, no, no. You're describing fascism. No, I think you're mistaken because we're fighting fascism. It's people, I wish I could say I was joking, but it's literally what these people are doing and they're telling us they're doing it. I want to shift it up a little bit because as Joe Biden is... Um, and the entire Democratic establishment is puffing their chest. If you can tell a lot by some, about somebody and who they're willing to take on and what they're willing to take on. There's always something worth taking on. The Republic or the Democratic establishment is ready to take on Donald Trump, who's out of office, who they've successfully managed to ban from all social media. Hell yeah, they're 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 so brave. They're willing to willing to take him on there. What they're not willing to take on is places like China or Saudi Arabia. Now, Saudi, what is Saudi Arabia's sin? Well, Saudi Arabia is, 
Saudi Arabia is in a weird position right now where they are trying seemingly, given the Muslim world and the radical Islamic threat in that region in particular, I'd say they're in a dangerous position because what they're trying to do and trying to somewhat modernize their society is right when the radicals, the fanatics, the lunatics can take over. They can find an audience. There's always going to be a certain percentage of the population that is not interested in women not covering their heads, um, gay people existing, things like that. And if you can find the, the right audience or the wrong audience, depending on how you want to look at it, but you know what I mean either way. You can find a fanatical group of people who will help you overthrow the government, who will help you do whatever. Think about Iran. Iran, if you look back at what Iran was in the 1960s and 70s, Iran was, it was not what it is now. Women were in the, it was, a, you wouldn't, you'd be hard pressed to find a difference between the United States and Iran, now, there were some, but not that many, and they weren't that huge of a gulf. But the Ayatollah and his followers were watching this in horror as Iran continued to modernize. By modernize, I mean, you know, slowly eke into the middle of the 20th century. They're still decades behind the rest of the world, but they looked at this with horror. Oh, my God, I can't believe this. It never, it's an affront to our radical beliefs. And so they violently overthrew the government. And you think, well, there aren't that many people like that. It didn't take that many. It wasn't the people who uh, overthrew the Iranian regime were not the majority in the country by any stretch of the imagination. The Nazis were not the majority of Germany in the 1930s by any stretch of the imagination. You should never underestimate what a fervently believing minority, distinct minority, can accomplish if everybody else kind of sits back and says, well, this isn't going to happen, this can't happen. You see that happen all the time. You see governments, small governments, take over because nobody wants to stand up. And yeah, is there a threat to standing up? Absolutely. For an individual to stand up. But collectively, if 5% of the country is trying to take over 95% of the country and one or two people stand up, those people will get killed. And what will happen? The rest of the country will go, I'm not, <laughs> not going to do that. I'm going to sneak out of this country. I'm going to get the hell out of Dodge. But if the other 95% of the country stood up in unison and put down the 5%, stopped them dead in their tracks or however, then it wouldn't even come close. And that would give pause to the next group of 5% people going, oh, well, remember last time they wiped out everybody. I think most of the time, especially a free people, even a tangentially free people, can't really, can't imagine that freedom going away. That's one of the biggest strikes against this country is we take our freedom for granted to the point that we don't even recognize it. 
to the point that you can have idiotic college students led by moronic, evil college professors convincing people, no, you're not free, you're oppressed. You're oppressed. Whereas a a simple trip to 90% of the rest of the world, take your pick, go to South America, go to Central America, go to Asia, go to Africa, go to Eastern Europe, and you sit there and you go, uh, okay, we got it way better than they do. We got it way better than they do. But people don't go there. They just sit there and they hear uh, Ibram X. Kendi and Robin DiAngelo go, oh, God, this country is wildly oppressive to you. And you go, yeah, you know what? It is. It is. It definitely is. That's why I haven't uh, made it rich yet. Not because I sit around and smoke weed all day. It's because society is rigged against me. And then they throw you months to keep you numb. Oh, it's it's Pride Month. Oh, all right. Well, it's yay, it's Pride Month. Let's do this thing. Finally, a month for me, forgetting the fact and ignoring the reality of the fact that gay lifestyle is everywhere, way more uh, in public life than it is in reality. And they go, oh, no, 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 we're, we're a marginalized community. How the hell are you marginalized? Well, we just are. We just women. We're marginalized community. Why are you? Mar- how are you marginalized? We just are, man. We just are. Meanwhile, you turn on any news channel, you read any news magazine or news outlet, and what do they say? We're celebrating women. Women rule. Women can do this. Women can do that. Women can do. We're throwing money. We have to get more and more women in the STEM fields. We must do really because they're dominating the STEM fields right now. There are more women in graduate school than men right now. Okay. There's a suicide problem in this country. It ain't of women. It is of men. It doesn't matter. Women, 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 because it fits their agenda. The left can overlook just about anything if it's inconvenient enough for them. And when it comes to Saudi Arabia, they can overlook the fact that homosexuality is still illegal there. That women are now sort of starting being able to drive, but, you know, it's still going to come across a fanatic that's going to... uh, not appreciate women women driving. And you also have the fact that they they killed Jamal Khashoggi. They had Jamal Khashoggi killed, all right? There's Mohammed bin Salman, the leader of Saudi Arabia. It's pretty clear he had Jamal Khashoggi, who was an occasional opinion, they call him a journalist, his occasional opinion columnist for the Washington Post. They had him killed. Had him killed. Bad, certainly bad. But I think I speak for the vast majority of the American people when I say I don't care. When it costs $100 to fill up your car, Saudi Arabia can kill all the Saudi Arabians they want. Get me $2 a gallon of gas and you can, you can kill all the people you want. Maybe, maybe I'm a little too cynical. But the sentiment, I think, is absolutely real and, and right on. It's the internal workings of a country, unless you're willing to cut them off completely, then uh, spare me the self-righteousness. If you're willing to deal with China as they are committing what our government calls genocide against the Uyghurs, then spare me that one anti-government guy, Saudi Arabian citizen, was killed by Saudi Arabia. Heartless? Maybe. But I'm not going to let 
Saudi Arabia dictate the terms of our internal existence here in the United States. So I'm not going to dictate the internal workings of Saudi Arabia. You want to show me how you can overthrow or reform Saudi Arabia completely or faster or whatever? I'm open. I'm in. I'd root for it. Won't pay for it. Won't do it myself. It's got to come from within. But I'm all down with the concept. But until then, Saudi Arabia has something we need. And you've got to get real when you're dealing in international politics. You go, we need this. We need this, so we're going to get it. And that's why Joe Biden was considering going to Saudi Arabia. He's starting to suck up to Saudi Arabia. They're begging OPEC, which basically is Saudi Arabia. At least they control a large percentage of it. Say, please, up production. It's really embarrassing, to be honest with you. We could take care of it ourselves, but we're not allowed to take care of it ourselves by our president. And so Joe Biden, this would be all well and good if Joe Biden hadn't been such a self-righteous ninny about Jamal Khashoggi. He'd called Saudi Arabia and it was a despotic regime. He, uh, he's attacked Saudi when he was a candidate. He was blasting Saudi Arabia because Donald Trump didn't blast Saudi Arabia because Donald Trump recognized that we need Saudi Arabia. All right. And when you weigh and it's cold and callous and whatever, but if you weigh the life of one guy versus the well-being of of all Americans and their ability to afford gasoline, the world market, I'm sorry, but Jamal Khashoggi loses every single time. And to pretend otherwise is just posturing. And that's what Joe Biden was doing, was posturing. Well, now the bluff has been called. Now he's the beggar. And suddenly it's changing, but they're they're trying to lower expectations. Karine Jean-Pierre, who is, by the way, I don't know if it's been mentioned recently or if you know this or not, but she's historic. She is both black and a lesbian, so she's wildly historic as press secretary. She sucks at the job, but historically, she sucks historically. Uh, she was asked about this yesterday, about Saudi Arabia. Because the Biden administration is trying to have its cake and eating it, too, when it comes to gas prices. They want to, if there is a drop in the gas prices, they want credit for it. If what they're trying to do doesn't work, they don't want the blame for it. So uh, Karim Jean-Pierre was asked about Biden's sort of sudden kind of thawing towards Saudi Arabia and that maybe he might even go and visit the kingdom over there, and she said, "No, no, no, no. It, don't worry. It, nothing's changed, and we're, it wouldn't impact gas prices anyway. And if it wouldn't impact gas prices anyway, it really makes you wonder what the hell he's doing it for. Honestly, why why would you bother going and sucking up to Saudi Arabia if it's not going to benefit Americans? Maybe it benefits Hunter. Who knows?" What evidence can the White House point to that repairing relations with Saudi Arabia will lead to reduced gas prices here in the United States? Well, when it comes to oil or gas prices, that's something that uh, OPEC Plus deals. We do not get involved in any of that. That is not the conversations that we have uh, with Saudi Arabia. Um, and uh, I know they OPEC Plus made an announcement last week on Friday, and we welcome that announcement. Uh, but that is not uh, part of our agenda when we have a discussion with them. <laughs> really that's not that's not it you're not well then why what do you why bother 
quite frankly, I don't know why we'd bother with, aside from trying to contain radical Islamic terrorists uh, in the region as best we can, there's, and without oil, there's no reason whatsoever to deal with most of those countries over there. It just isn't. What do we need? A whole bunch of dates? Oh, we, our date supply is running dangerously low. Yeah, well, we can't find baby formula in this country. We got a president bragging about having, you know, sucked up to Australia enough to get enough bottles for like half a day. You know, he's congratulating himself. Maybe we got bigger fish to fry here. Maybe we don't. I don't know. But you got to love the idea. No, 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 we're not. Nothing, nothing. Was, uh, it has nothing to do with, it's not going to do anything about oil prices. Well, then why? Hunter Biden have a pending consulting contract with one member of the royal family. And is there a royal family bigger on the face of the earth than the Saudi royal? Every third dude is like prince this and prince that. I've never seen a princess in the royal family over in Saudi Arabia. They probably all move them all to Europe. I mean, yeah, you know, you don't want to grow up here in Saudi Arabia. You just will replenish your bank account, but you get the hell out of here. You don't want you know, being oppressed like that. Before we get to China, though, I, ju- I just saw this. This is, um, we'll get to the sucking up to China on the solar panels in a second, which is the second part of the despotic regimes. But I, I love, I just saw this Associated Press story. Headline, VP Harris looks to show her clout at Summit of the Americas. Like, what the hell? And there are one, two, three reporters that had to write this thing. Anybody else contribute to it? No, no, there's three of them. She's going to show her clout. What? So Vice President Kamala Harris will have the opportunity to connect with leaders from Latin America and the Caribbean as she welcomes them to her home state this week for the Summit of the Americas. But whether she can demonstrate her clout at the Hemisphere's premier gathering being held on U.S. soil for the first time since 1994 remains an open question. I thought she was, you know, she's going to show her clout, but can she? We don't know. Joe Biden, uh, since Joe Biden's days crisscrossing Latin America as vice president, the region's leaders have come to expect direct access to powerful interlocutors inside the White House. Well, maybe stop being corrupt. However, other than Harris taking on the thankless task of addressing the root causes of migration, (laughs) you want to talk, this is a world-class turd polishing here. Uh, Other than Harris taking on the thankless task of addressing the root causes of migration for which progress has been slow, yes, slow, Every month sets a new record of illegal aliens marching across the border. But it's just, it's progress. It's just slow. Yeah, it's so slow, it's physically going in the other direction. That's called going backwards. But hey, says uh, the region has seen little of her, a symptom, experts say, of larger U.S. neglect of the region. Or might I suggest that if the region stops sucking, the United States might start paying more attention to it. Now, Democrats want all the voters all the future potential voters. So they're they're happy to have it. They want the cheap labor, too. They don't want to have to pay prevailing wages for their domestics. But to sit there and go, well, you know, it's uh, the U.S. isn't paying enough attention to it. I, I'm sorry. Uh, offer us something. What do we get out of it? That's why we should build a giant wall with, with a moat, with alligators, with maybe landmines. 
a lot of razor wire piranha in the uh, Rio Grande. And then say, no, you can't come in unless you bring something to the table. That should be the question for no matter how somebody gets to this country or where they come from. Ask, what do we get out of letting you in? But no, that's not what the left wants. To pretend like, oh, they've been getting neglected. They're getting neglected. They're sending a wave invasion after invasion into this country. And Democrats are welcoming them with, with free airline tickets and baby formula. That's not neglect. American families can't get that kind of neglect. They can't find their baby formula. So as we, we talk about well, Kamala Harris going to talk to minor league despots, now we can get to Joe Biden. Excuse me while I kiss this. It's just a Diet Coke. We can talk about Joe Biden sucking up to major league despots. You got to give him props. Joe Biden does not suck up to the small guy. <laughs> he knows where the money is. You know, oh, you can get a lot of money out of, of South and Central America. Hunter could, but eh, they're more likely to shoot you. They're more likely to shoot you than, say, China would. Yesterday, the president invoked the Defense Production Act. You're sitting there and you're going, okay. What now, for those of you who don't know, and there's really no reason for you to know, although maybe in the last year or two you should have heard about the Defense Production Act. The Defense Production Act exists so that in times of war, in times of national emergency, certain things, government can go, all right, well, I don't, we need this, all right? We need, we need Ford to stop making Model A's or whatever, T's, whatever. And we need you to start making tanks. We need you to start making planes or whatever. And if they're going, I don't really want to do that, there you go, well, it doesn't matter. The Defense Production Act allows us to do that. That is, in case of an emergency, you can get the government, can get the things that we as a country need. Now Joe Biden is using it for... Vanity projects on the left. That was used during the uh, COVID pandemic to make sure that we had certain supplies and what have you, and that was necessary and whatever. It was fine. It was always temporary. Uh, the president did this for the uh, baby formula shortage that he really screwed up. You can understand how that would be an emergency. Of course, better in those circumstances would be not screwing up to the point that you create the emergency to begin with. But we're dealing with Joe Biden. You, you can't have everything, can you? But for solar panels, there is literally no national emergency that would justify this. None whatsoever. New York Post. President Biden drew criticism Monday after invoking the Defense Production Act to potentially expedite the production of solar panels, with journalists and Republicans questioning the rationale for using special wartime powers. We are not currently in a war as much as Joe Biden and his cronies would like us to be. Renewable energy advocates, meanwhile, cheered the White House announcement that Biden would invoke the act, quote, to accelerate Domestic production of clean energy technologies, including solar par panel parts. 
Part of this was the waiving of sanctions against various countries that largely produce solar panels and produce the materials needed to produce solar panels. See, while we here in the United States do have some domestic solar panel production, we don't really have a lot of production of the materials needed to produce the solar panels. It's like having a... a a factory to build cars, but you have no suppliers, right? You have no, you don't control the supply at all. All the parts to build the car come from overseas, but you got the factory that will put them all together. It doesn't, that's how our country is. Not because we're incapable of producing what is necessary to produce solar panels. It's because the Joe Bidens of the world and the lefties don't want us to. They don't want us to know what it takes to get those, just like the battery production. Joe Biden talks about, oh, we got to get battery production here in the United States so we can corner the market on electric vehicles. But he hasn't done anything about it. Why? Because if we got to see the damage to the physical earth that is done to get the materials to build the batteries, to build the solar panels. The environmentalists, not the leadership, the leadership knows they're bought off and paid for. But the rank and file people who believe the leadership is actually interested in saving the environment, those those suckers, they would be outraged because it's it's strip mining, it's devastation. You just completely will wipe off the face of the earth a, a mountain because it's got the rare earth materials in it that you need. So why did Joe Biden do this? We don't know. It's not an emergency. It's not going to make a difference. A two-year waiver on these sanctions, in addition to everything else, two years, which is about how long it would take to really ramp up. The, the, the solar producers in this country are not wanting for material. They're not going, geez, we could quadruple our orders if only. If only we could get our hands on the material and we just can't. And Joe Biden swoops in and saves the day. That's not what's going on. There isn't a whole lot of demand for this stuff because it takes up. If you had uh, I don't know, three acres, you'd probably need about an acre and a half to two acres worth of solar panels to fully power your house. And then you'd really have to find you'd have to spend a ton of money on batteries to store that energy so you could make it through the night, make it through cloudy days and everything. It would be an absolute, for whatever reason you bought the three acres, and your it wouldn't be so, geez, I can use two of them for a complete waste of space. People don't want them, especially when we have stuff that works right now. If you could boil that down to a, a five foot by five foot thing instead of a whole mountainside, then people would enjoy solar. But that ain't what's happening. That's not where we are. And with government throwing money at the problem and forcing people to use this, there is no incentive whatsoever for the industry to really innovate. Because why would they? It doesn't matter. Government's going to force people to use your thing. I see all the time. You drive around here in Maryland and you come into the neighborhoods with the nice big houses. And what do you see? You see, every third or fourth house 
has just solar panels all over one side of it. Oh, this is going to really cut. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. All I see as a former roofer is a whole bunch of opportunities for water to get into your house. But it is expensive to put solar panels up there. Domestic production of solar panels won't change that. Emboldening China and allowing China, and don't make no mistake, this is going to help China. The materials are going to come from China. Eventually, the panels are going to come from China. This is helping the Chinese communists. And then the Chinese communists can make it cheaper. How? In the Xinjiang province, I believe it is, they use slave labor. That's where most of these solar panels in China come from. They use Uyghur slave labor. The Biden administration is condemning China for committing genocide against the Uyghur population. And now they're just making it easier for what that slave labor is making to be brought in. Now, before we get to Karine uh, Jean-Pierre trying to explain this away and lie to the American public, we've got to go in the Wayback Machine to last year, just last year, when Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, she gave away the, the game of what Democrats really care about. And it is, in the first clip, she talks about, well, God... China is just terrible. China is oppressive. China is violating human rights left and right. In the second clip, she says, basically, nevertheless, so we'll get to the second clip in a second, but listen to the first one. We've always felt connected uh, to China, Uh, but with their uh, military aggression in the South China Sea, with their continuation of genocide with the Uyghurs in uh, Shenzhen uh, province there with their violation of the cultural, linguistic, religious uh, priority of, of Tibet, uh, with their suppression of democracy in Hong Kong and other parts of China as well. Uh, they're just getting worse in terms of suppression and freedom of speech. So that militarily, so human rights, security, economically. Well, it sounds like China is just an awful, awful country, and we should do everything we can to avoid dealing with them, does it not? They're horrible. They're just uh, terrible. Well, literally, all I did was get this clip and cut it in half. I did not remove anything. I did not add anything. This is what comes out of Nancy Pelosi's mouth next. Having said all of that, and again, I go back and forth to China. I've been there a number of times. Sometimes I'm considered the most unpopular person in China, and sometimes the most unpopular American in China, which I wear with a badge of honor because, and again, I have my relationships there because we've been fighting a long time. The, um, but we have to work together on climate. Climate is an overriding issue. And China is the leading emitter in the world, US too, developed world too but we must work together. <laughs> Having said that, nevertheless, I don't really give a damn. I'm, I'm hated in China. Boy, howdy, I'm hated in China. 
Then you go to the uh, New York Post from January of this year, 2022. Headline, Nancy Pelosi's son linked to five shady companies probed by Fed's report, many of which are in communist China. She's just hated in China, but they hedge their bets over in China. They make sure that everybody can kind of get their piece of the They're not stupid, the Chinese. They're not stupid. But you've got to love the idea here. Oh, no. Nevertheless, it's horrible what they're doing. It's awful. It's untenable. It's, it is unforgivable. We shall never, ever. But we do need to work with them on climate change so we can look past the fact that they're currently putting you know humans into meat grinders and engaged in modern slavery. We can do get rid of all of that. It's all good. <laughs> a lady of principle, ladies and gentlemen. Such a wo- strong principled woman is she not so you got the uh, president sucking up to saudi arabia and now we're basically giving uh, favors to china joe biden really cares deeply about this country doesn't he doesn't so uh karine jean pierre was asked about this she was asked most importantly really the the sixty four thousand dollar question when it comes to the uh invoking of the Defense Production Act. Now, granted, having AOC come at you, whining, posting to Instagram every other day about how awful you are for not uh, going green or whatever, can be annoying. But I don't think that qualifies as something that is an emergency requiring the invoking of the Defense Production Act. What's funny is he could use the Defense Production Act to increase the production of oil and natural gas in this country and uh, waive a whole bunch of regulations, most of which he and his party put in place, to make gasoline cheaper, to make electricity cheaper in this country. It's going to cost a fortune if things keep going this way to air condition your house this summer. But the pain is the point when it comes to that. The pain is the point. Pain at the pump. Oh, you hear those stories. Pain at the pump. Pain at the pump. I paid four ninety nine yesterday for gas. I was at about a quarter tank. But I thought this just it's gone up like fifty cents in the last week. So I was out and I'm like, well to hell with it. I'm gonna fill up just because it seems like it's gonna keep going. And it was easier to do it then. It was like thirty seven dollars for a quarter tank of gas. Pain at the pump. If they cared about it, they'd do something about it. And I'm not talking about releasing from the uh, oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. That's not addressing the oil issue. That's not addressing energy issues at all in this country in any way, shape, or form. It's a joke. That oil is already accounted for. The second you put it out there, it's gone. What you need to do is increase production. That's not increasing production. But Joe doesn't want to do that. Joe can't do that. Joe would really catch a tweet, a tweet storm from the squad, and he doesn't want to do that. So he'd much rather have Americans going broke. And never forget that this administration, that this party, the Democrat Party, wants desperately for you to not drive. They don't want you to live outside of urban settings. They ultimately want to condense populations into centers, move into the city, ride public transportation. It's all good for the environment. It's actually horrible for the environment. 
What do you hear constantly? Oh, people live in this city, they get a higher uh, propensity of asthma. Well, then why the hell would you want to encourage more people to live? Well, because when people live on top of each other and there are tall buildings around or even moderately tall buildings around, if it's not a windy day, that emissions from cars and factories and whatever and buses, all that can sort of linger around in there, linger around in there. That can impact the lungs. You should uh, encourage people to not live on top of each other. Didn't we just live through a pandemic where people living on top of each other were more impacted? Sitting in New York City going, how is this? Everybody's locked down and everybody's wearing masks. How is this getting uh, people sick? Well, because you you share air in a 40-story building. Ever stop to think of that? Democrats did. They just don't care. When you're sitting there going, we need to get rid of half the Earth's population, you go, well, a million people in this country is a good start. Anyway, that's a story for another time. I want to play Karine Jean-Pierre. She's historic, you know, Karine Jean-Pierre. She really is. She's black and a lesbian uh, as press secretary for the president of the United States. She was asked how the Defense Production Act, how do you how do you use the Defense Production Act to fend off a tweet storm from AOC? It wasn't worded exactly that way, but that's the gist of it. And her answer, she goes on, for this is what I mean when I say that she's bad. She's just really bad at this job. She's, she's no Scaramucci. Scaramucci was bad at the job. He only had the job for about 20 minutes. She's worse than Scaramucci because Scaramucci was at least off the cuff. She was not off the cuff. She's off the script. She flips to the page that's relevant about China and the Defense Production Act and solar panels and reads her answer that has really nothing to do with the question, trying to explain the Defense Production Act and how it applies to solar panels. Taking a step back from that, what emergency is the president using to invoke the Defense Production Act? Because historically it's been in the 1950s uh, for the, the Korean War and during COVID it was enacted. What emergency is it, or what's the real emergency in the solar industry for the Defense Production Act? Um, so let me, uh, I was going to say first, the president, you know, when he takes the Defense Protection Act, it's to make sure that he's delivering for the American people. Uh, it is an important tool that he has used a couple of times and it has been incredibly effect effective. Uh, so uh, for this particular Clean Energy Defense uh, Production Act, uh, he is invoking the Defense Protection Act to rapidly expand per, uh, domestic production uh, of solar panel parts, building ins insulation, heat pumps, and more. He is putting the full force uh, of the federal government's purchasing power behind supporting American clean energy manufacturers, and he is providing U.S. solar uh, deployers uh, the short-term stability they need to build clean energy uh, projects and deliver more affordability energy to American families and business. Altogether, uh, these historic actions will cut costs uh, for American families, strengthen our power grid, and tackle the climate crisis. And with a stronger clean uh, energy arsenal, the United States can be an even stronger partner to our allies, especially in the face of Putin's war in Ukraine. <laughs> you got to throw in the Putin jab. There's nothing clean about solar, by the way. The production of solar panels is wildly polluting, not only damaging to the environment and the strip mining to get the materials to make them, but the process of making them into the... Uh, Materials that are needed to create a solar panel is wildly polluting. The difference is, is the pollution is happening on the other side of the planet, right? 
Oh, we're so green. We're celebrating green technology. Yeah, you're uh, making a whole bunch of drinking water poison over there in China. Yeah, but I don't see it. I don't see it. Look, my Tesla may have helped pollute the water of a small village on the other side of the planet. On the other hand, I look pretty cool driving a car with like a, a, a an iPad Pro in the dashboard. So, you know, sacrifices have to be made. They're just not usually human sacrifices. <laughs> just you know, you think well, no, they they dumped mercury in the drinking water. Yeah, but they dumped dumped mercury in the drinking water in some obscure province over in China, not here. Oh, all right. That's a good point. That's a very good point. I didn't think of it in those terms. Thank you for giving me the perspective that somebody else is suffering that I don't see. And if I don't see it, it didn't happen. But it's all for good. It's all for good. By the way, the economic da- or the uh, environmental damage to rip down a field of trees to put up a, a sea of solar panels. How's that going to work out? But most importantly, I want to point out that this summer, when you're trying to air condition your house, but your electric bill is far too much money. And so you just have to go, all right, well, going to have to suffer. Going to have to sit in the basement with all the radon or something. Going to have to figure out how to do this because I can't afford this. When you're doing that or when the rolling blackouts and rolling brownouts happen, because they can't meet demand. Don't worry. Joe Biden has a plan that will possibly nominally impact the amount of electricity available in this country in two to five years at the earliest. So, yeah, you're going to suffer and your food is going to spoil and the stuff you have in the freezer might be thought. But in you know a couple of years... You might, after you spend a whole bunch of money retrofitting your house and probably ten, twenty thousand dollars to buy solar panels to put on your house, you will then have a semi-reliable energy source that will cost you maybe slightly less if you don't think about the original outlay of the costs. <laughs> and that sound great. Now, Karine uh, Jean Pierre, who I believe I've mentioned, she's historic. She did, the the reporter there recognized that in her minute and a half answer, or I should say response to the question, there was no answer to the question. So then he took another bite at it, and she just uh, vomited up another word salad. Emergency in the solar industry. Well, this is just a step to get to to a place where we do have a clean energy arsenal, and so this is a very important part of the president's. Uh, this is a very important part of the president's uh, um, uh, agenda in getting to that clean energy uh, uh, system that he's been talking about since he walked into the administration. So this is that, and this is a way that we felt that we can act uh, to to get moving in that way. I'll come back. Up front. Go ahead. So Joe Biden is trying to fulfill a campaign promise nobody really gives a damn about, and therefore he is invoking the Defense Production Act. I have not read the Defense Production Act language before, but I highly doubt that tucked away in there is, you know, right after you do it for an emergency, you can also do it if some senile old SOB has overpromised and underdelivered on anything else, and you can use this as a distraction to sort of placate your radical base. 
And I will remind you one more time that nothing that Joe Biden is doing will have any impact anytime soon. No impact anytime soon. We're years away from the impact, but it's an emergency that he must do. He could have an impact almost immediately on oil production if he offered to up oil production, but he won't. Remember that next time you open up your electricity bill and you go, what the hell? Or the next time you fill up your car and you're not paying it, now everybody's acutely paying attention to the cost. But if you didn't notice the cost or you said, yeah, I know how price per gallon, but damn, at the final bill for the pump. That is Joe Biden. That is the Democratic Party. That is not by accident. That is by design. There is, as we get ready to wrap it up, there is other news on the baby formula front. It is, uh, it's getting worse and worse. Now, what's funny is the administration is touting, oh, my goodness, we've done so wonderfully. We've done so wonderfully. We've started up the factory that we shut down for months and months and months with no real reason and no end in sight. We did it. We reopened. It takes a while to, uh, I don't know if you know this or not. You're smart people, so I guess that you do. But so many liberals don't seem to know this, that if you have a factory, especially something that's making something that's perishable. Uh, For you Democrats out there, that means edible. Um, If you have a factory that that does, and you come in and you shut it down, you come in, you hit that. I've I've worked in factories that you go on the floor and all around there's those red buttons everywhere in case somebody gets their arm caught in something. It's the emergency stop button. Somebody's fingers being pinched or whatever. You hit that emergency stop button, shuts down the whole line, shuts down everything. Um, When you hit that button or whatever the Food and Drug Administration did back in February, Everything is frozen where it is. There's some of the formula that was near the end of the line, ready to be packaged, ready to go. And then there was formula at every step of the development, the mixture of one ingredient in, two ingredients in, three ingredients. It's all there. Plus, there's all the ingredients. You shut that down. You tell everybody, look, we're shutting this down. We got to find this contaminant. Walk away. Get away, everybody. Well, you leave that sitting there for three, four, five months. That stuff, you can't pick up right where you left off. Even if the president invokes the Defense Production Act and says, you now have my blessing, let's go, after he wakes up and recognizes that starving babies and not denying children nutrition is not a high-polling enterprise. You say, go ahead and start. You can hit the green button to start the line back up, but you can't. It's food. It's perishable. It has Everything in there has to be scrubbed. Everything in there has to be taken apart and washed. Everything, every little ingredient in there has to be thrown out. I assume, I assume that it's spoiled by now at some point. Certainly, I don't think if a, the FDA was shutting it down based on a hunch that they had a contaminant that they never found, that they were not going to allow the, I imagine chemicals have gone in there, cleaning chemicals, testing chemicals, that you can't use that stuff now. So all of that's got to be scrapped. You've got to get that stuff back in there. And all of the moving parts that move those ingredients along will have the old, expired, not good, not acceptable ingredients 
around them. They have to be taken apart and washed. So you're talking weeks at best, months, probably a month or so, to really get that factory going up again. And this is what the Biden administration has done. So this is an NBC News. Now, granted, this is a local NBC News report out in the San Francisco area. But that these problems are registering and registering in this way out in deep blue San Francisco is a testament to just how horrible the Biden administration is at managing messages and delivering on the most basic of things. The most the ability to feed your infant child is the most basic thing. I couldn't imagine having a child right now and, and being a part of this. I'm so grateful that you know my children, at least you know so far, they they lived through the uh, the school closures without being impacted by them because they were too young. So they didn't get impacted by them. And now they're old enough that they didn't have to worry about the, the baby formula shortage. And I feel so so badly for the parents who watch their kids like get excited about going to school and then have that ripped away from them. Or the newborns, the horror of going, what do we do? How do we feed this child? Because I don't know, you, you get a kid and he's sitting there and you go, my, what do I, I'm responsible for keeping this creature alive. I got to feed it a whole bunch of times and change it and, and make sure that nothing that they, like one time I remember Quinn was, I don't know, she wasn't walking yet, but she had a, a little round walker thing that we put her in and it was on wheels. She could move around. So she was mobile at the time. And I couldn't find the damn toenail clippers to save my life. I have big toenail clippers. They're about three inches long. And then I had the really small toenail clippers that were maybe an inch, inch and a half long. I couldn't find the small ones anywhere. I looked, I turned over furniture, I was everything you can possibly imagine because in my mind, that kid had eaten the damn toenail clippers. It got so bad that I like stuck a magnet up to her belly to see if I'd see something move. All she she moved it to like once, put it some. I, she moved it. She did it. She didn't eat it, thank God. But I was terrified. Like, oh my God, what did I do? I couldn't imagine a parent not being able to feed their child, let alone you know feeling like you fed your kid toenail clippers. But that's beside the point. Uh, I want to play you this report out of California just to show you that this is everywhere and how bad it is. And the left-wing media is even having to acknowledge it. The plant's reopening is welcome news, but the first batches won't hit store shelves for more than two weeks. It is so draining trying to find formula. I've literally gone from store to store to store to store. And while the plant ramps back up, the shortage keeps getting worse. New data showing the out-of-stock rate for baby formula hit 73% nationwide by the end of last week. Seven states had an out-of-stock rate of more than 90%, including California at nearly 95% nothing on the shelf we tried our best to find any in los angeles county looks like same deal here shelves completely empty almost on every tier here there's a few bottles but that's it driving to five separate stores we found some toddler formula but this doesn't help parents who have infants this is the real problem a lot of the shelves look just like this finding little but frustration we're always ordering but for the last month or so um we haven't been able to get anything and you heard them at the beginning. They're at least two weeks away. They're not. It's more than two weeks away. It's two weeks away from, from the factory being able to churn out 
formula. That formula then has to be shipped. That formula has to be put through the distributor. There's a distribution path that needs to be replenished. It's not as though the distribution path is is all clogged up, but it can't move because it's not being pushed from behind. It's empty. It's got to go to the main warehouse, and then it's got to go to the distribution warehouse, then it's got to be put on a truck and shipped to the stores, and it's got to be put on the shelves. We're a long way away from this being over, and the Biden administration wants to pat itself on the back like it solved the problem. Realistically, the Biden administration created the problem, and if they had just been aware of what they were doing in the first place, they could have avoided the whole damn thing to begin with. should not be rewarded for solving a problem you create. But when you got nothing else on your Joe Biden, I guess that's what you do. Anyway, we are out of time for today. I appreciate your listening. Huh, man, what a day it has been. We're just getting started. We'll be back to do it all over again tomorrow. Thanks for listening.